0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 526. This past weekend, I took a three-night weekend cruise on Allure of the Seas, and being a weekend cruise, I wanted to share with you what it's like going on Allure of the Seas. I've done now two of them, and wanted to share some of the feedback and things that stood out about my cruise. Here we go. As I mentioned, this is my second time on Allure of the Seas since Allure began doing these three-night weekend sailings. And these weekend sailings on big ships is going to be a big theme this year with Utopia of the Seas coming out a little bit later on. And it was kind of interesting because I'm looking at this cruise through the lens of, of course, Utopia coming up and what it's like to go on an Oasis-class ship, a ship that big for such a short amount of time, and also comparing and contrasting it. To Icon of the Seas. You know, having just got an icon, I couldn't help but the entire weekend think about ways that Allure was certainly different. And when you talk about Allure of the Seas in particular, it's hard not to overlook some of the changes or lack thereof on Allure. Allure was supposed to be amplified in 2020. That did not happen. So she did not get the upgrades that, for example, Oasis of the Seas did back in 2019. Now, that was the plan for Allure to do that. It didn't happen, but that didn't occur because of the global industry shutdown. But Since then, Royal Caribbean announced a couple weeks ago, actually, that Allure will get amplified in 2025, so changes are coming, but that's another story for another day. But in the meantime, it's kind of interesting because you're going from an icon to Allure, but Allure doesn't have necessarily all the features of, you know, Harmony or Symphony or even Wonder of the Seas. And a lot of people have been asking me, you know, Matt, what's your new favorite cruise ship out there? And I kind of, I don't hate the question. I just don't love the question because I, I like all ships for different reasons, right? It's kind of like if you're going to, if I come visit you in your hometown and I say, what's your favorite restaurant to go to? You might maybe have exactly one, but probably you're more like to say, well, I prefer this restaurant if I'm in the mood for this, this restaurant if I'm in the mood for that, and this restaurant if I'm, you know, with, with my kids or not, right? And I kind of feel that way with cruise ships as well. There's pros and cons to everything, and there are reasons why I gravitate towards one ship or another. And I try not to be the guy who's like, well, the newest ship is my new favorite ship in the fleet. I feel like that's like a cheat code. It's like it's like the easy road. It's like it's like rooting for being a fair weather fan. Whoever's winning in the game is who you're rooting for. I try to be a little more discreet with how I pick my cruise ships, but inevitably, I have definitely leaned towards newer ships. I do like new ships. I like what's new and interesting and different, and that makes it stand out. But Allure isn't a bad ship by any means. You know, it's an Oasis-class ship, so there's still plenty going on. And what's interesting, I think, is that for a ship that doesn't have maybe all the extra features you find on an Oasis of the Seas, or a Harmony, or a Wonder of the Seas, you know, there's no water slides. There aren't all the new dining concepts, including actually Allure has one dining concept, the Samba Grill Brazilian Steakhouse. That's actually a throwback concept that doesn't exist anymore, won't exist anymore going forward. Doesn't have playmakers, you know, and some other features and amenities that might stand out to you. Going on the, the on a three night cruise means that you're less reliant on what's available because there's so much happening. First and foremost, you're in port every day. It's Nassau, Coco Key, and of course, it's just for three nights, so it kind of keeps it fresh enough to keep you moving and, and interested. Now, on this particular cruise, we actually ended up sailing in a star classroom. We booked an Aqua Theater suite. I look back on this. We booked this back in 2022. And in 2022, you could still get pretty decent deals for cruises because Royal Caribbean was still like kind of partially shut down. They had restarted cruises, but not every ship was back in operation yet. And things were kind of, you know, slowly progressing. So long story short, the, there were some really big deals out there. And I try not to ever compare prices in 2021 and 2022 to prices today, because it's completely different scenario altogether. But if you have cruises that you booked back then, you really probably feel like you hit the lottery now because it really does stand out in terms of the value uh, provided for you. Now, what's interesting also is we had stayed in Aqua Theater Suite on Wonder of the Seas, and Allure really was interesting because the room was very different aesthetically than I remember on Wonder. It felt like the room was a little bit smaller. We were on Deck 10, and I felt like the living room in particular felt a lot smaller than the one we had on Wonder of the Seas or even Harmony of the Seas. It's just kind of interesting that, that, that difference there. One of the things I want to talk about also is star class in general. And oftentimes I got questions, Matt, I'm doing star class for the very first time. What's your recommendations? What are your tips? How to take advantage of it? And it's a great question. First and foremost, your genie is an X factor that's hard to quantify. Every genie has a little bit of a different take on it. And if you're not familiar with it, the royal genie is the crew member that works with you. They're assigned to a couple of different cabins on your particular cruise. We had Tao, T-A-O, and he was absolutely fantastic. But they all have like different approaches, different ways of doing things and different outlooks, I guess is the right way to say it, of how they're going to offer you things to do. There isn't a menu. There is not a selection. Like here's everything you can do. A lot of it is discovery based on what you're interested in and the genie will try their best to facilitate it, right? So as an example, one of the things, this is not listed anywhere, but when we were watching the Aqua Theater show from our balcony, our genie volunteered, hey, would you like me to bring an ice cream bar up to the room so you can have ice cream sundays. Uh sure, why not? You know, like that's like not something we asked for, but it was a really cool idea, right? And it's really supposed to be a personalized service and it definitely delivered on that. For our experience though, when you're you're doing star class, there's a couple things I would recommend. Number one is definitely communicate pre-cruise. Let them know exactly what you'd like to have. Like as an example, you know, having certain foods delivered to your cabin, whether it's breakfast in the morning getting Starbucks delivered to your cabin whether it's having a snack sent up to your room when you get back on board the ship after a shore excursion, you know, having evening drinks, you'll have uh, options for different beverages you can have in your cabin, you know, rely on that heavily. Number two, you're going to be using WhatsApp to communicate with your genie. So uh, good news, don't worry is, of course, the internet package is included with your cabin being in a star glass room. So you can use WhatsApp to communicate. And this works really well for really quick off things. And not only for, like, requests for the next day, but, you know, if you're somewhere around the ship and you want to do something. As an example, you know, we had—this is a, definitely a first-world problem here— being star-class, you usually get purple pass cards, but being pinnacle, you get gold pass cards. Now, there's nothing wrong with either of them, but star-class pass cards seem, seem to stand out more than pinnacle ones, and we were assigned pinnacle ones, which are the gold ones. So I messaged the genie and said, hey, is there any possibility— for us to get new CPAS cards, you know, the, the the purple ones, so the crew members can more easily identify as a star-class guest, especially at Starbucks, really it makes it a lot easier. Anyway, uh, he was like, sure, and he brought it right to where we were. In fact, when we were walking back on the ship from Coco Key, I messaged the genie, hey, we're coming back to the ship. Can you help us grab an elevator? Absolutely. Like, those are little things, but communication is key when it comes to that. Um, and And just, you know, don't be afraid to ask, and that's really what it's all about when it comes to that. For us, though, I think we looked at this weekend cruise as an opportunity to indulge. You know, we didn't do anything in NASA. We just enjoyed the room more. That was a mistake I made the last time we were on Allure. is that we didn't spend enough time in our room. We were trying to do a lot more on board the ship. And it felt like at the end of the cruise, we just didn't get as much out of the cabin as we would have liked. This time around, we specifically spent more time in the cabin. And the weather was fantastic. I mean, I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, there's probably people disagree with me on this one. I love winter. I love winter in the Caribbean. I love less humid. I love less hot. And for me, when it's less humid and less hot, and we're talking about temperatures somewhere in the 70s, it's far more comfortable to be outside and be able to enjoy it. And for me, that's more important. There are a lot of people, I am sure, that want it to be 85, 90 degrees because they want it to feel like that hot summer type experience. That's totally fine. It's just not my, I'm not comfortable in that kind of weather. I, I will gravitate back into the air conditioning even though I have this great room. So, in this case, I was able to spend more time on the cabin and and really on the balcony itself and enjoy the views. You know, it was sunny for pretty much most of the cruise. The last day was a little more hit or miss with clouds, but it was really enjoyable to be out there. In fact, when we went to Coco Key on the last day, you know, we kind of, we took our time a little bit. We are probably off the ship around nine, I think. And we went out to Oasis Lagoon, spent some time there, grabbed lunch over at the Snack Shack. But by about noon or so, we were essentially going to go back to the cabin now i never would leave coco key that early ordinarily but we wanted to get back on the ship we got a little bit of taste literally and figuratively of coco key but we wanted to get back on the ship to enjoy what the room is and this is comes back to something i talk about all the time you know is it you know how important is a is there cabin on a cruise and you know if you stay in a nice room i feel like you spend more time there if you spend as if you stay in a smaller room you probably find opportunities to spend time elsewhere And in this case, because we had a nice room, we wanted to spend more time there, and that was really nice. It certainly uh, allowed itself to be a little more of a relaxing cruise, you know, spending time in your cabin. Inevitably, you're probably going to take a nap somewhere. I know I did a couple different times, whether it was on the balcony or whether it was in my bed. It's just really nice to be able to do that and kind of catch up on some Zs, especially on the weekend, a little slower time. And... We generally took more advantage of what the room has to offer in the sense of spending more time there. That isn't to say I just sat or sat around and stared at the ceiling. You know, when I kind of got sick of it or I needed a break, we would leave the room and go somewhere else. But it was certainly nice having that available. Now, if you're weighing allure the seas versus other Oasis class ships, I think first and foremost it's a great cruise ship experience. You know, it has the basics that everything you need. I, I hate to even say it has the basics. This is still an Oasis class ship. There's so much happening on board, right? Even though it may not have, you know, water slides and all the other features you find on the newer Oasis-class ships, it's still a lot of fun and things to do on there. Kids had a great time, you know, hanging out and both in the cabin and then going down maybe to the boardwalk, riding in the carousel, going to the different shows that were on there. You know, Mamma Mia, the Broadway musical, by and large, is one of the best things you can find on any Royal Caribbean cruise ship, let alone Allure of the Seas. It's the full Broadway show. Absolutely fantastic. We see it every single time that we go on Allure it's that darn good, and it is worth sitting through the two and a half hours or so that the show takes. It's it's so worth it, in my opinion. Really, really good. For dining, we did well, I guess four specialty restaurants, memory serves me correctly. Embarkation day, we did Sabor. And Sabor isn't what it used to be, but I still appreciate a good, you know, taco, and that's what I got exactly. And some guac, some chips, salsa. I was set on that. It's not gonna blow your way. I mean, you know, if you listen to old podcast episodes, I would wax poetically about Sabor. The menu has changed sufficiently since then that it's not quite like that. And I fully expect that when Royal Caribbean refurbishes Allure in 2025, that's the world will be removed. But um, I got to say that I, I enjoyed it. That Although, while we did enjoy our meal there, there were a couple different times on the cruise we, we lamented the fact there was not a Playmakers on board. It was really nice having, whether it's the casual food or the sports bar atmosphere, a combination of both. There's something we've kind of missed a little bit more than other things on board. In terms of other dining we did, we went to 150 Central Park, which is such a good restaurant. It's probably the one thing that's missing on Icon of the Seas. Uh, 150 has a fantastic menu. Uh, Literally every single course is a win, whether it's just sitting down, eating those amazing garlic bread knots, or then going to the appetizers and the velote soup, which is fantastic. The beef tenderloin for two. I mean, and the fried cheesecake. My goodness. It's just. It's an incredible experience. I can't more highly recommend that, even with that bad English grammar right there. That's how good it is. We also ate at Izumi Sushi, which, listen, I love sushi. I, I could eat that every single day. Uh, I, that did not disappoint as well. We've been doing sushi the last couple of cruises over hibachi. I still like hibachi, but hibachi is so filling, and this is definitely another first world problem that I've eaten in hibachi so many times. Anyway, it's nice to be able to go to the sushi side and grab a table over there, and it's, it feels a little less filling. I, don't worry, I'm still waddling out of the restaurant. But it's, you know, <laughs> it just feels a little less over the top, I guess, than hibachi. I'm sure I'll do hibachi again on, like, another cruise coming up. But um, anyway, we did sushi this time around. And then we ended the cruise at Giovanni's. Giovanni's was a little bit disappointing, although I gave him kind of a pass on it. So when we got to the restaurant, the service was, well, it was bad. Uh, we sat down at the restaurant. And it was a table of eight. The restaurant was slammed. I mean, every single table was taken up. Now, I didn't realize this at the time, but it had actually, when we sat down, or right before we had sat down, it started raining. And so everybody that was seated outside the restaurant was suddenly brought into the restaurant for cover and to be reseated at another table. So essentially, the, they became overwhelmed. It was clear they were overwhelmed. And the result was, like, we sat down at the table and got nothing, didn't even get a menu. After about five or seven minutes, I got up, went to the greeter, and asked for menus. We didn't get, you know, they never took our drink order until probably the entrees came out. Like, it, it, they clearly ran into a buzzsaw of, of problems right there. Now, as the meal progressed, it got better. And by the time we did get the entrees, the waiter, I think, also was able to kind of like relax a little bit. And I think she was able to like breathe, and you could tell her demeanor was better. You could tell that. She was more attentive in her service, so I don't blame her. I think they just got overwhelmed at first. I thought they maybe oversold the restaurant, like they were trying to cram too many people in there. As and I talked to the manager about this because he came around, and I'll be honest with you you know, if you sit at a restaurant in a real Caribbean cruise ship, odds are there's gonna be at some point the manager's gonna come around and ask you how the meal is, and ninety nine percent of the time I usually give them, oh yeah, everything's great. You know, I'm not here to I'm not a food expert. I'm not a I'm not a critic. I'm not here to point out all your flaws or or be that guy. But in this case. I felt compelled to mention that we were pretty disappointed in the service early on. And I said, you know, wasn't the waitress's fault? It just clearly seemed like it just, you guys were overwhelmed maybe, you know, I don't know what was going on. And then he explained the situation there and it was like, all right, cool. I just want to let you know that that was our experience for better or worse, but it's gotten better. And we left the restaurant happy, but that was one of those situations that can occur. And this is one of those good reminders. I talk about this all the time about being flexible. We sat there. We didn't have menus. We didn't get the drink orders we wanted. So what do we do? Do we let that ruin our night? No. One of us went up, went to the trellis bar, got our own drinks for us. Should we have done that? Of course not. We shouldn't have to do that. But we weren't going to let that stop us. We we're going to let the sit there and be like, well, this is the worst. And fold our arms. and rr, rr. That wasn't going to be our outlook on it, right? The menus, I got up. Guy asked for menus. Brought it back there. You got to do the best you can. And if we had an absolutely terrible meal... Well, in our case, we probably would have messaged the genie and had something delivered to the cabin, but we're, if you're not saying it's our glass, you go up to the wind jam or you go to a different restaurant, whatever, like don't let little things get to you. And that was really the mantra of this meal. And it's definitely a tip that I like to share often is don't let little things ruin your cruise. It rains during your sailing. The restaurant is busy and the waiter kind of forgets things like these things can happen. It's not what should happen, but you know, don't let it ruin your cruise. And then also when there's an opportunity, like when the manager came around, you know, politely explain what the issue was. I told him, I said, listen, I'm not here. You know, I just wanted to let you know about the issue so you can identify it for the future and that kind of a thing. But really being flexible is such an important aspect of it. And that meal definitely reminded me of that. In terms of allure in general, and I guess i will wrap things up here on allure in general, because... I know that many people are looking forward to maybe a weekend cruise on Alert leading up to Utopia's arrival later this year. And then, um, you know, Alert will be transitioning to other ports as well. You know, yeah, it doesn't have the water slides. It, It has the H2O zone, not Splash Away Bay. It doesn't have, like, you know, it has some antiquated restaurants. Antiquated is probably the worst word. It makes it seem like it's out of date. It's not. They're just older concepts, right? Samba Grill sabor They're not restaurants that anybody really is like, hey, this is the best restaurant in the fleet necessarily, but they still have plenty of good dining on board. The entertainment's really good. The shows are fantastic. Of course, the entertainers in the pub and in the scooter bar are always great. So you kind of have a good mix of what's available to you. And for a weekend cruise for three nights, you'll find plenty to do on board. You know, for a longer sailing, if you're on there for longer than three nights or you're doing a back-to-back sailing, this falls back to, again, one of my favorite mantras, maybe I already mentioned this in this episode, is a cruise is what you make of it. If you spend the time to think of these things and do the things, you can make a great cruise out of almost any ship. It's more of your outlook, your attitude, and, of course, what you're looking to get out of it. And ultimately, you know, if there's a specific feature that's really important to you and your family, then obviously identify that before you book your cruise. And if it's like, listen, Matt, I, we got to have water slides or it's a, it's, a, it's a mistake that obviously lurks not for you. But if you can make do with other things that are available on board, then you, I think you can still have a great, great time on board. All right, friends, I'm answering your listener emails. The first email is from Greg. Have a wonder of the seas cruise booked for September of 2024, looking at return flights. Return flight leaves at 11:15 a.m. Do you think there's enough time to get from Port Canaveral to Orlando and through TSA? Love the blog, Greg. Yeah, I mean you I would hustle. I would get off the ship as early as you can. This is not the cruise to have a leisurely breakfast in the main dining room and then roll off the ship at nine. But as long as you're off the ship by I would say I would recommend getting off the ship by 730. I think you could probably skate by by eight. But seven thirty, you're it'll take about half an hour, forty-five minutes or so to get to the Orlando airport through security, again, depending on what day of the week. Saturdays are definitely slower days. Mondays and Fridays are usually pretty bad. But um, again, I would lean towards getting off the ship as early as, if it were me, I would take my own luggage off. I'd be like the first ones off the ship and then you'll have plenty of time, Greg, to make that flight. So thank you for the email there. Next email is from uh, Danielle from Boston. I love your podcast. Thanks so much for all your great insights. I'm taking my first solo cruise in November on Odyssey of the Seas for a 14-night transatlantic cruise, and I have a few questions. I purchased the internet package so I can keep in touch with my husband while i the way. It's been several years since I purchased the internet package, as I usually prefer to disconnect completely, and I'm worried about connectivity issues especially on all the sea days. Do you think this will be an issue? Um, generally not you know it's funny I didn't mention this during the review of Allure Allure's internet was pretty bad I don't know why the rest of the fleet has been absolutely fantastic since the Starlink uh, rollover and the subsequent uh, tweaking Allure's internet was remarkably bad especially on mo- day two into day three Um, that being said that has been definitely the exception um, and uh, I am the good news with Starlink is that even though you are going over the Atlantic, they do a pretty good job of keep maintaining that connectivity. So I think, more than likely, you'll be fine, Danielle. My experience on alert is not indicative of anything other than my experience on alert. Um, so I think you'll be okay with it. Um, it's satellite internet; things can happen. Bad, you know, if, if it's very cloudy, um, if it's storming, you know, may, there can be occasional outages there. But in general. You'll be able to stay in contact, for sure, especially via text message. Danielle also wrote, I opted for traditional dining. Do you know if I might be seated with other passengers or is this a thing of the past? Yes, you definitely can be. I'm um, sure right here, by the way, that might be a good way to fel- me fellow cruisers since I will be solo. Yeah, um, actually, if you do traditional dining, there is a good chance that will be seated with someone else. Uh, the easiest way to figure it out, Danielle, is on embarkation day, go to the main dining room and uh, on your pass card, it'll say what table you're at and what deck. And then you can easily go look on your own and see if you're, you know, obviously if there's more than a table for two, then you're probably sitting with somebody. If not, if you discover you're at a table for two, you can speak to the main dining uh, room head waiter and ask them to be seated at a different table and they can help you. Danielle then asks a third question. Also, my husband is jealous that with 14 extra points, I was able to snag one of the elusive solo cabins that I will reach Diamond Plus before him. When I cruise with him, when I'm Diamond Plus and he is Diamond, will he receive the same benefits or will he have to wait until he catches up with my points? And the answer is he will get your status. So whoever is has the most points in the household, the other one, who's your spouse, gets those points. Get that status rather. So yeah, when you reach seven plus, he will be moved up as well. As an example, Danielle, um, my wife does not have as many cruise points as I did, but she moved up to every tier every time I moved up to a tier. So hope that makes sense. Uh, next question is from Emily Carey who writes, uh, I'm finally, I'm glad to be able to finally write in again. After I wrote in last time, we finally went on our cruise after 10 years of not being on one. While there were many updates like the Royal Caribbean app and amenities such as special dining restaurants, I'm wicked excited to say that we loved it so much. We were able to go to Chop's, Izumi, and Giovanni's for our specialty dining, and wow, did they blow us away. Since that cruise in 2022, we've been itching to get back on a ship. Our previous itinerary was St. Thomas and Martin Cocoa Key. We knew we loved St. Thomas and Cocoa Key, so we were looking for an itinerary that included these, but with a different port other than St. Mark. After many months of back and forth with my boyfriend, I found the perfect itinerary in April 25, going on St. Thomas, St. Kitts, and Cocoa uh-huh. Key, upon the newest ship, Icon of the Seas. I priced out the trip on the Royal Caribbean website, guilty to say that I was one of those who booked directly through the website, and wow, for an ocean view cabin, for two people in that itinerary, it's the only date that worked, Royal Caribbean was asking for a total of $8,609.90. After looking at this cost, my boyfriend and I went back to discussing if it was worth it. I said to him, let me try one more resource. After listening to all the good MEI travel does for you, I thought of reaching out to them to see if they had this trip. The very next morning, I got a reply from Jen at MEI. Within the next 30 minutes, that's being generous, it was probably more like 10 to 20 minutes, we booked the same exact trip, room, and literally the same exact room number I had chosen on the real website for $3,940.46, MEI Travel saves us $4,669.44. We are beyond grateful for your recommendations of MEI Travel, because without them, we definitely would not be going on Icon of the season April of 25 to St. Thomas, St. Kitts, and Coco Key. When we cruised prior, we have only ever cruised out of Fort Canaveral. However, Icon sells out of Miami. Do you recommend flying into my, Fort Lauderdale or Miami? And which of those do you recommend staying out the night before at these locations? Look forward to listening to your podcast every week. Emily! First of all, this is awesome. So glad to hear they saved you money. And of course, our MEI Travel, full disclosure, is our travel agent Sponsor here. So glad to hear that they did well by you and saved you money. That is awesome. If you're wondering how they were able to save you money or had saved Emily money in this situation, more than likely there was a group rate of some kind. Travel agencies and the cons- consortiums they belong to are able to source different rates occasionally. Not every sailing, but in this case, Emily was lucky and happened to get that. So that is awesome. In terms of flying in, it doesn't matter. Uh, They're both equally, I mean, Miami's obviously a lot closer, but Fort Lauderdale is very, very close. What I would tell you is look at your flights, figure out which one's closer, which one's rather cheaper, I should say. If it's about the same or, you know, barely a difference, fly to Miami. But if you can save a lot of money by going to Fort Lauderdale, then go to Fort Lauderdale. And then in that situation, what I would recommend doing is saying the In Miami to avoid the traffic concerns in the morning. Uh, My favorite hotel recommendations in Miami are the Intercontinental and the Marriott Biscayne Bay are both, uh, very good hotels and, um, not necessarily the cheapest hotels out there, but great location and, and nice rooms and clean and all those important things that most people look for in a pre-cruise stay so thank you emily for that question our last question is from brian hi matt thanks thank you first of all for all your tireless efforts and dedication to running the blog it's helped us decide on a royal Caribbean cruise set for april on wonder of the seas we're excited personally it's been my first time on royal Caribbean since 2007. I, I sailed on grandeur and empress so wonder will be an astronomical experience say the least my question has to do with the perks I attached the chart and circled in red a place where I thought the perk should be. The way I understand it, the Crown Anchor Loyalty Program is like most other programs. If you're at a higher level, then you get the perks of that level, plus the perks of the previous levels you attained. I'm a big coffee drinker, so when I looked at this chart, the area that I circled didn't make any sense. And what he circled, I guess he didn't explain it here, but uh, essentially, if you look at the member benefits, you look at the chart, one of the line items is 50% off any coffee beverage, two coupons per sale, excluding Starbucks. Okay, so for gold, nothing but it applies for platinum and emerald, but then doesn't apply for diamond, diamond plus a pinnacle. And I think Brian wants to know why is that? I don't know. My only thought is the reason is once you get to diamond, instead of getting 50% off a coffee beverage, you can use your diamond benefits. So remember, you're gonna get four point four drinks rather per sailing, and that includes coffee. So instead of getting it half off, you get full off, 100% off four drinks. They could be coffee, they could be alcohol, they could be a soda. So I suspect that's probably why there that's why you're not seeing that. I mean, I, it seems silly why they wouldn't still offer two more 50% offs, but it is what it is there, Brian. So if that makes sense and thank you for your email, thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean blog podcast, of course, you can always email me your questions by emailing them to matt, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.